Chapter Nineteen of Herb of Grace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Herb of Grace by Rosa Nouchette Carey. Chapter Nineteen: A Touch of the Tartar. Here comes the lady, oh, so light of foot, will ne'er wear out the everlasting flint, Romeo and Juliet. When you doubt, abstain, Zoroaster. Malcolm gave a slight start of dismay. Mrs. Godfrey's manner conveyed more than her words. In spite of his secret prejudice, he was not prepared for so strong an expression of disapproval. She was a woman of sound judgment, and very charitable in her estimate of people, and he knew that he could rely on her opinion. Her intuitions were seldom at fault. Whether she blamed or praised it was always with rare discrimination and perfect justice, and she was never impulsive or rash in her verdicts. There was a moment's silence. A blackbird, evidently attracted by Mrs. Godfrey's clear resonant voice, had perched on the stone parapet beside them, and watched them in bright-eyed curiosity. Then, as Malcolm moved his arm, it flew off, with clucking notes of warning, to rejoin its mate. "'I am rather troubled to hear you say this,' began Malcolm. "'Will you tell me all you know about these people?' "'That is just the difficulty,' returned Mrs. Godfrey slowly. "'No one seems to know much about them.' Even Mrs. Sinclair, who has taken them up so lately, knows scarcely anything of their antecedents. As far as I remember, Mrs. Sinclair asked me one day if I were not going to call on the Jacobis. They are perfectly charming, were her words. They are a brother and a sister who have taken Beechcroft for the season. They seem wealthy people and live in good style, and Miss Jacoby is one of the handsomest women I have ever seen." "'And this was all?' as Mrs. Godfrey paused. "'It was all I could gather. Mr. Sinclair certainly told Alec that he understood that Mr. Jacoby had made his money in business, something connected with a mining company, he believed. But no one seemed to know exactly, and the Jacobys are rather reticent about their own concerns. They seem to have a large visiting list, and to know some big people.' "'And Miss Jacoby called here?' Yes, Mrs. Sinclair brought her, but I confess I was somewhat embarrassed by the visit. It has placed me in an awkward predicament. I have no wish to make their acquaintance, but I cannot well be unneighborly. One meets them everywhere, so Alec tells me that I must get rid of my insular prejudices and leave our cards at Beechcroft. It must be an awful nuisance, replied Malcolm sympathetically. Oh, I don't know. Miss Jacoby is very civil and pleasant. She is rather a reserved sort of woman, but remarkably good-looking, and she dresses beautifully. I am afraid, with a laugh, all you gentlemen will lose your hearts to her. Even Alec raves about her. He declares they must be Italian Jews, although they have lived in England and America all their lives. Miss Jacoby has certainly rather a Jewish type of face, and she has the clear olive complexion of the Italian. Well, you will see them for yourself on Sunday, for they are regular church-goers. 
though Mr. Jacoby's behavior during service is not always edifying. They have seats near us, and it irritates me dreadfully to see him lounging and yawning while other people are saying their prayers. Does Miss Jacoby lounge, too, in an amused tone? No, she behaves far better than her brother. I must confess to you, Mr. Herrick, that I am rather prejudiced against Mr. Jacoby. I do not like either his face or his manners. His eyes are too close together, and this, in my opinion, gives him rather a crafty look. And in manner he is self-assertive and ostentatious. I know what you mean, returned Malcolm with a laugh. He spells me and mine with a capital M. Mrs. Godfrey nodded. Mrs. Sinclair tells me that the brother and sister are devoted to each other, but that Miss Jacoby seems to defer to her brother's opinion in everything. But there, I have told you all I know, and you must find out the rest for yourself. I shall keep my eyes open, I assure you, was Malcolm's reply. And then he continued in a perplexed tone, How on earth did Cedric get hold of them? but as Mrs. Godfrey could not answer this, Malcolm allowed the subject to drop. In his case forewarned was forearmed, and but for his promise to Dinah, and his very real concern for Cedric, he would have given the Jacobis a wide berth. It was only natural, however, that his curiosity should be strongly excited by this conversation, and when on the following morning they took their seats in church, his attention wandered at the sound of every footstep in the aisle. The service had commenced before the vacant seats near them were occupied. Malcolm had a momentary glimpse of a tall, graceful-looking figure, in soft, diaphanous raiment, that seemed to pass them very swiftly. He even caught a strange, subtle fragrance that seemed to linger in the air. And then they all knelt down, and Miss Jacoby buried her face in her hands, and her brother removed his lavender kid gloves with elaborate care, as though Saul Jacoby had nothing in common with the rest of the miserable sinners. During the rest of the service Malcolm had plenty of opportunity for studying his physiognomy, for he turned round more than once and encountered Malcolm's eyes. He was certainly handsome in his way. His features were good, though of the pronounced Jewish type but his dark, brilliant eyes had a shifty look in them, probably, as Mrs. Godfrey suggested, from their being set a little closely together. In age he appeared to be between thirty and forty. He could see little of Miss Jacoby except the dark, glossy coil of hair under her hat, for during the entire service she was as motionless as a statue, and never once turned her face in Malcolm's direction. Even when her brother spoke to her, she answered without looking at him. Whether Miss Jacoby was a devout worshipper, or a mere automaton, was not for him to judge. She might have her own reasons for not joining in the singing. Colonel Godfrey was always a little fussy about his hat in church, and so it was that Malcolm and Mrs. Godfrey were still in their places when the Jacobys passed their pew. Malcolm seized his opportunity and looked well at Miss Jacoby, but she did not appear to notice him. She was certainly a most striking-looking woman. Indeed, Malcolm's trained eye was obliged to confess that she was really beautiful. 
the features were perfect, and the clear olive complexion, just flushed with heat, was wonderfully effective, while the large melancholy eyes were full of a strange flashing light. What a superb creature! was Malcolm's first unuttered thought. His second showed his keen insight. But it is not a happy face, and with all its beauty there is no restfulness of expression. Colonel Godfrey was still brushing his hat in the anxious manner peculiar to the well-dressed Englishman when they reached the porch. To Malcolm's surprise, he saw Miss Jacoby and her brother in animated conversation with a little group of ladies, made up of Etheridge's and Sinclair's. Malcolm, who knew them all, was at once greeted as an old acquaintance, and, to Mrs. Godfrey's secret amusement, the Jacobys were introduced to him. Miss Jacoby bowed to him in rather a grave, reserved manner, but her brother shook hands with real or assumed cordiality. "'I am delighted to make your acquaintance, Mr. Herrick,' he observed volubly. "'We have a mutual friend, I believe. What a capital fellow Templeton is! Charming! Charming! We are going to put him up at our diggings for a few days.' and then, before Malcolm could answer, someone tapped Mr. Jacoby on the shoulder and asked him a question, and Malcolm found himself beside Miss Jacoby. "'Mr. Templeton is an intimate friend of yours, is he not?' she asked carelessly. Her voice was very full and rich, but she spoke slowly, as though she were accustomed to weigh each word. It struck Malcolm that she listened with some intentness to his answer. "'Oh, yes, we are very good friends,' he returned with studied indifference. "'Mr. Templeton is more demonstrative,' she said with a curiously grave smile that seemed habitual to her. "'He sings your praises, Mr. Herrick. You would be amused to hear him. It is so refreshing to find any one natural and unconventional in this world. But he is so nice and frank, a nice boy.' with a low laugh that showed her white teeth. Mr. Jacoby turned round at the sound. "'Come, Leah,' he said impatiently. "'The horses are tired of standing, and I want my luncheon.' Miss Jacoby bowed in rather a hurried fashion, and at once rejoined her brother. Malcolm looked after the male phaeton as it dashed down the road, but he made no response as Mr. Jacoby waved his whip to him in an airy fashion. "'Well, Mr. Herrick,' said Mrs. Godfrey quietly, "'I suppose I may ask your opinion now.' "'I do not think I am anxious for a further acquaintance,' returned Malcolm grimly. "'The big M's are too much in evidence for my taste. "'I suppose I am a bit of a misanthrope, "'but I hate to be hail fellow well met with every one. "'Why, that fellow Jacoby actually patronized me, "'patted me on the back, don't you know? "'He might have known me for six months.' "'I call that sort of thing bad form,' observed Colonel Godfrey. "'Jacoby is too smooth and plausible. "'My wife will have it that he is not a gentleman. "'Oh, Alec, you ought not to have repeated that.' "'Why not, my dear lady,' observed Malcolm. "'You are perfectly safe with me. "'I expect we think alike there. "'Somehow Jacoby has not the right cut.' "'But his sister is very ladylike,' murmured Mrs. Godfrey, her kindly heart accusing her of censoriousness and want of charity. Both the gentlemen agreed to this. Then Malcolm, true to his character as a lover of the picturesque, launched into unrestrained praise of Miss Jacoby's beauty. 
if my friend keston were to see her he remarked he would be wild to paint her as rebecca at the well or ruth in the harvest fields one does not often see a face like miss jacoby's and then after a little more talk they reached the manor-house the following morning malcolm spent on the river and late in the afternoon they drove to glebelands where the etheridges lived the beautiful grounds sloping to the river presented a most animated scene a band was playing and a gaily dressed crowd streamed from the house on to the lawn canoes punts and a tiny steam launch were ready for any guests who wished to enjoy the river and the croquet archery and tennis grounds were well filled tea and refreshments were served in a huge marquee just below the house malcolm who met several people whom he knew soon began to enjoy himself and he was deep in conversation with a young artist when miss jacoby and her brother passed them she bowed to malcolm with rather a pleased smile of recognition what do you know la belle jacoby observed his friend enviously what a lucky fellow you are look here couldn't you do a good turn for a chap and introduce me my dear rodney i have not spoken a dozen words to miss jacoby myself get one of the etheridge girls to do the job for you you had better look sharp he continued for there is quite a small crowd of men round her now and as mr rodney speedily acted on this hint malcolm joined some more of his friends later in the afternoon as he was listening to the band he saw miss jacoby opposite to him she had still a little court round her and seemed talking with great animation she looked far handsomer than on the previous day, and her dress became her perfectly. She wore a cream-colored transparent stuff over yellow silk. Her Gainsborough hat was cream-color and yellow too, and she carried a loosely dropping posy of tea-roses, and two or three rosebuds of the same warm hue were nestled at her throat. The contrast of her dark eyes and hair and warm olive complexion was simply superb, and malcolm secretly clapped his hands and murmured bravo under his breath she has the soul of the coquette and the artist too he said to himself oh woman woman surely solomon had you in his thoughts when he declared all is vanity and then he remembered elizabeth templeton and felt ashamed of his cynicism the next moment he noticed the coast was clear and obeying an involuntary impulse he crossed the lawn miss jacoby welcomed him with a soft flickering smile but did not speak your court has deserted you miss jacoby not entirely she returned captain fawcett has gone to fetch me an ice it is so hot in the tent and mr dysart is looking for my fan they will be back presently she spoke in rather a weary tone why do you stand here he remonstrated there is a vacant seat under that acacia and you will hear the music quite well there let me take you to it the afternoon is unusually warm in spite of the river breeze rather to his surprise she bent her head in assent in her queenly way and he guided her to the cool retreat will you not sit down too she asked in rather a hesitating manner but there was no coquetry in her glance malcolm shook his head i must look out for dysart and the other man he observed 
or they will think I have spirited you away. I am not the least tired. What a pretty scene it is, Miss Jacoby. Look at those children dancing under the elm trees. They seem very happy, was her reply, but there was a sad expression in her eyes. Certainly childhood is the happiest time in one's life, if it could only last forever. Are you sure you mean what you say? replied Malcolm, in a grave argumentative tone. Remember, it is the age of ignorance as well as innocence. With knowledge comes responsibility and the pains and penalties of life. Nevertheless, few of us desire to remain children. I am one of the few, she returned curtly. I cannot believe that, and Malcolm smiled, but I grant you that the best and highest natures have something of the child in them. As Mencius says, the great man is he who does not lose his child's heart. Miss Jacoby looked impressed. That is well said, she replied softly. Mr. Herrick, I think your friend Mr. Templeton is rather like that. He is so young and fresh. It is delightful to listen to him. He is two-and-twenty, is he not? And he is such a boy. She laughed an odd, constrained little laugh as she said this, and added in a curious undertone, And I am only nine-and-twenty, and I feel as though I were seventy. See what responsibilities and the pains and penalties of life do for a woman. It was a strange speech, and a strange flash of the eye accompanied it. Then her tone and manner suddenly changed, as a footstep in their vicinity reached her ear. "'Saul, were you looking for me?' she said, starting from her seat. "'I was tired, so Mr. Herrick found me this nice shady place.' I suppose it is time for us to go. Well, we have a dinner party on tonight, returned her brother blandly, and it will hardly do for the hostess to be late. Wait a moment, Leah, as she was about to take leave of Malcolm. I found Dysart hunting for your fan, so I told him I had it. It cost ten guineas, you remember, in a meaning tone. Then Miss Jacoby flushed a little as she took it from his hand. I must have dropped it in the tent. There was such a crush, she murmured. Good-bye, Mr. Herrick. I am much rested now. Good-bye, Herrick, observed Mr. Jacoby in a familiar tone that grated on Malcolm. We shall be very glad to see you at Beechcroft when young Templeton is with us. It is Telemachus and Mentor over again, is it not? And here he broke into a little cackling laugh. Well, ta-ta. Come along, Leah and taking his sister by the arm, Mr. Jacoby quickly crossed the lawn with her. "'He is a cad if ever a man was,' mused Malcolm, as he followed them slowly, "'and if I do not mistake, there is a touch of the tartar about him. She may be a devoted sister, as Mrs. Sinclair observes, but she is afraid of him all the same.' "'What a strange girl she seems,' he continued. "'Woman, rather, I should say, for there is little of the girl about her.' Somehow she interests me, and she puzzles me too. She is so beautiful. Why is she still Miss Jacoby? He stood still for a minute to ponder over this mystery. Then he walked on very thoughtfully. I am a bit bothered about it all. I wish Cedric had never made their acquaintance. And Malcolm looked so grave when he rejoined his friends that Mrs. Godfrey thought he was bored and hastened her adieu. 
Malcolm did not undeceive her, neither did he speak of the Jacobis again to her, but he made himself very pleasant all that evening, and the next day he left the manor-house. End of chapter 19